Hello, hello, everybody. This is No Checklick Moments. Hi. 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 Do you want to hear who I am? (laughs) (laughs) Guess what, guys? I'm your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast. What are we watching today, Remy? We are watching Season 1, Episode 8, Bugs. 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 The much maligned episode, but truthfully, I love this one. The the only episode, I may have said this, said this last week, but the mm-hmm. number one worst episode of Supernatural until the last episode of Supernatural, and then that one won the title. Officially. I'm like, not just making it up. This was like, I saw it on Tumblr, okay? Yeah. I mean, it came from a legit source. But yeah, I agree. I'm pretty sure Carry On has, like, the worst reputation now. (laughs) But I'm like, Bugs, I don't feel deserved the worst reputation. I was so ready to fight you on this, B. (laughs) I thought it was going to be so troll. I mean, it was pretty troll. I thought it was going to be such a struggle to get through. I think that even when I watched it the first time, I must have just absorbed some internet biases atmospheric hatred that yeah Uh, the radiation in the air uh uh-huh uh-huh because i have seen this episode a couple of times it has been years but uh every time i was like uh i'm just not gonna do that again and then every other time that i rewatched the series i would just quietly skip over bugs but i don't i don't I, i i was wrong b i was wrong Yay! This episode has so much groundwork laid for Sam and for Dean and, like, Dean's whole performative behavior, like, this knee-jerk reaction about him saying he hates the suburbs. Like, this episode sets that shit down and then we deconstruct it for a decade. Like, I love this episode. Yeah, yeah. Sam and how, you know, he was just the freak. He was the disappointment. Dad never cared. But then, no, dad was just doing his best. And then, again, like you said, deconstructing that over time. The the rose-tinted mm-hmm. glasses that they have. Mm-hmm. I am just so fascinated by Dean in this episode and the way that he has to defend the decisions that John made because if he let up on that defense, then he'd have to admit that like he stayed separated from his brother the last two years for no reason. It's not even a question for Dean. He he has to be on that defense, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like as we go through this episode, we can see how his words aren't aligning with his actions, and I'm excited to get into that with you. We're watching Bugs today, guys! Get excited! Yay! Don't let the haters get you down. Truly. Stay tuned if you are like us and a bit of a sucker for Dean Meta. I mean, if you can't tell already... (laughs) There's a lot to this episode. Yep. Yes. And yeah. Going on with season one, we are now in episode eight. And this was a episode that was written by Rachel Knave and Bill uh, 
Coakley. Bill Coakley. It was directed by Kim Manners, and the original air date was November 8th, 2005. Mm-hmm. Now, I... Those names were new to me. B. Rachel Nave, Bill Coakley. Uh, I I was I was curious about about what else they contributed to the supernatural uh, yeah. canon, and um, I didn't know whether to laugh or feel bad, but both Rachel Nave and and Bill Coakley, the one and only episode in Supernatural written by either one of them was bugs they oh got they got fucking sniped b <laughs> oh my god they got taken down they're like kripke you wanted a story about bugs how could we have to take the fall <laughs> they each have one episode to their name and it's it's this episode so i feel like we're watching a little like limited edition series right here this is oh, and again they're so critical foundation for Sam and Dean in this episode. And it's like, you just laid down that cement, you put your handprints <laughs> in it, and then you walked away. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. I thought that, that was is, funny. That's fantastic. And, of course, Kim Manners, he does go on to direct. He, he directs through seasons one through four. We see a lot mm-hmm. of Kim Manners. I think this is the, sep- the second episode this season so far. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know him well enough to know how I feel about him as a director yet, but uh, I didn't peek ahead, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to form my own opinions. Yeah. I know the boys think very highly of him. Like, Jensen credits Kim Manners as, like, the person behind the way that they treated people on set. Like, the guest uh, for the episode, you don't treat them as lesser. Like, they, Jensen and Jared learned the whole be welcome and like the be professional and all that type of things from Kim is my understanding. So they really held him in high regards and it was really upsetting when he passed away. Mm. And, and when I think about that onset attitude, that onset community sense of community that Jensen and uh, Jared and the whole crew cast and crew cultured, took care to culture, uh, I that's that is the SPN family and Mm -hmm. and yeah I didn't know that uh Kim Kim Manners legacy yeah be considered the foundations of that yeah 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 well that's our team for this particular episode Mm -hmm. and the synopsis of the episode reads after a construction worker is killed by insects burrowing into his brain, Sam and Dean investigate the town's history and find that the new housing development is being built on sacred Indian land. The Indians put a curse on the land after their reservation had been ravished and destroyed. Sam and Dean must find a way to survive and kill the deadly swarm of bees, locusts, spiders, and beetles. And let's just say off the bat, this (laughs) case is terrible. (laughs) Like, when I say I love this episode, I hate this case. 
it's it's not scary. They're trying to rely on creepiness with the insects rather than actual scariness. And failing with the amount that they had to uh, lean on CGI. Yeah. And then they're using these really hackneyed offensive tropes of, you know, the sacred Indian burial ground is behind these murders. Like, this, the whole shtick behind this episode sucks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if that's what people think of when they think of bugs, then it's no wonder that this episode is so maligned. Yeah, yeah. This and Wendigo. We're, we're just playing some loosey-goosey with this, with these cases. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. No. But the character moments, we'll, we'll dig those nuggets out of the trash heap and then just cherish them mm-hmm. and then... For shame, the rest. <laughs> I will say, I really did love the character of Joe Whitetree. His actor was pretty good. His actor was really good, but I felt bad that he had to play such, again, uh, a stereotype. Such a stereotype, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we start off in Oasis Plains, Oklahoma. There is a new suburb being developed a lot of houses under construction and we are beginning with two workers from the oil and gas company um one of them feels a rumbling in the ground and then lo and behold he gets sucked into a sinkhole and he breaks his ankle in the process rumble 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 Yeah. Further rustling reveals a shitload of bugs that swarm and envelop him to the point where he's bleeding out of all his face holes and he dead. Yep. Yep. Good old Dustin is no more. We, the second, this, what? (laughs) It's like rest in peace. Oh. I thought you were correcting my naming, which I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't. You got be, it. I wouldn't even be surprised, but <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and then Travis, the other construction worker, he is trying to find a rope, but in the few minutes it takes for Travis to return back to the sinkhole, uh, Dustin has perished, and we get this horrible. But good horror content shot of uh, Dustin's bloodied eyes, nose leaking from his ears. He his his head is uh is uh having a bad time. I'll say we saw some yeah. beetles crawling in his ear. We can infer that um something horrible happened there. Yeah, he got an earworm, and then down mm-hmm. he goes. But never mind that. Let's cut to outside a bar at night. Sam is on the hood of the Impala reading about a mysterious death, while Dean returns from the bar triumphant with a wad of cash he earned hustling pool. Earned, Sam is basically saying. Yeah. He's setting the foundation right now for their character bickering this episode. You know, it's not honest work, hustling pool or these credit card scams. And Dean is like, yeah, our real job is hunting and it pays really shitty. So we got to do what we can to make ends meet. Yeah. 
And Sam is saying, well, we could take up some honest work, a day job every now and then. But Dean says, hey, honest versus fun and easy. I'll take the fun and easy. And come on, this is how we were raised. Well, says Sam, how we were raised was pretty jacked. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming right off the hop, um, being sort of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. He's being very derogatory towards his upbringing. Like, really, you can sense that he's not happy with how things have played out. But Dean, on the other hand, is at least acting like everything is great. Like he said, fun and easy is better than honest. I'll take that any day of the week. Right. And when Sam says, hey, how we were raised was not healthy, Dean says, okay, yeah, says you. He's Mm -hmm. immediately knee-jerk defense against it. Brushing it off. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And I do like how in the back of the scene we see the billiards sign flickering, but we don't see the full words. We just see by liar behind (laughs) Dean. I didn't notice that. And then later in the episode, we have Joe Whitetree. Basically, like, the second Dean starts talking, he's like, no, you're a liar. No, you're a liar. I'm not listening to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... Mm-hmm. Did we really Did we really have the sign, the billiard sign flickering by liar? The whole sign is flickering, but the DS is hidden. And so it's, like, billiards by liar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. It's meta. I'm slapping that down on the table. <laughs> I was going to say, because if there were certain letters that were out, like, just fully out, you know that was a, a a deliberate choice. Yeah. All they needed was one of those L's to turn off, and it would have just... That's canon, baby. Right fucking there. Right fucking there. Hey, we're not in season three or four yet. We haven't reached that level of uh, Galaxy Brain directing and production. Oh, but this episode, we're working on it. Again, (laughs) we get foundations coming up right now. Sam's like, yeah, I found us a case. This dude got human mad cow disease and then like died the same day. And then we have Dean going, isn't that from Oprah? And Sam going, you watch Oprah? And (laughs) Dean immediately changing the subject. Oh, he struggles, though. Oh, he's struggling. Just looking at his face, he's like, you see that he feels like he's uncomfortable. He revealed something that he did not want someone to know. And I don't know if I'm supposed to take that as, you know, truly... Yes, he watches Oprah. Yes, he likes Oprah, but he doesn't. That's something that he has for himself, and he doesn't want his brother to know about that. Uh, or if I should take that more on, um, you know, him want like really, really being uncomfortable with Sam even thinking that of him. Like, oh, he likes Oprah. Yeah. That, that's the way I'm erring towards. I feel like Dean, as we know him in season one, he likes to do the pop culture reference and he typically has his grab bag come from the 70s. It's very masculine oriented. And then here he did a pop culture reference, reference that wouldn't be identified that way. It's very 
of the day, it's geared more towards women. And so the fact that he pulled that, um, I, I'm like, I can look in his past and be like, yeah, he was raised on TV. You know who is a staple midday television? You know, like he comes home after school, John's on a hunt. It's just him and Sam in the motel. Of course, Oprah's going to be on. So like, of course, this is something that Dean would very easily have in his reference book. But the fact that Sam called him on the just having that knowledge made Dean uncomfortable. Right. And then the question is, why does it make him so uncomfortable? It's it's exactly. Oprah. Everyone knows Oprah. No one cares that you know Oprah, Dean. It, the, the only person that's calling attention to it is you in this moment. Yes. yes. And like this moment here... We can see a similar sort of reaction when we get, like, the terrible gay jokes that mm -hmm. are being brought up by the developer and then again by the realtor. Um, when Sam realizes that, you know, these people think that they are a queer couple, Sam smiles about it and just kind of like, no, actually, we're here because of this. But Dean, like, you see his face get really tight and, like, he wants to change the subject or, like, he's uncomfortable with it. And this Oprah scene and those later scenes, they all have that same flavor of, I don't like what you're putting on me with your attention. Uh, I, I absolutely agree. Here with the Oprah thing, such a small thing. Sam is just teasing, but Dean, we see that hit land and it wasn't meant to yeah. be a punch, but it, but he took it as a punch. Yeah, it's a bigger thing than Sam meant or even what Dean himself would react if Dean felt more comfortable with himself. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm If he wasn't just this performance. We're okay, though. <laughs> and I definitely agree with you with the uh, gay comments later that that was like, whoa, very, very, very transparent. Yeah. But here, <sighs> what are we doing? Here, okay, mad cow disease. It seems weird that the brain would disintegrate in less than an hour, so we'll go check it out. So they drive and they show up the next day to question Dustin's co-worker Travis, as you mentioned. Um, they're play-acting as his nephews, say they knew about Travis, but like, was there anything out of the ordinary about Dustin's behavior before he died? Because mad cow disease has these typically very stark symptoms associated with it. Right. And no, Dustin wasn't acting odd. He wasn't forgetting things. He wasn't being erratic in his behavior or losing um, motor functions. He was fine until he wasn't. Yeah. But if it wasn't a disease, then what else could it be? Yeah. You hear Travis saying, you know, like, it's what the doctors say it is. What else could it be? It's like, well, I mean, bleeding from the eyes, ears, and nose. It's unusual. How about we just put it that way, Travis? Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. We're going to take off. Just tell us where the crime scene is. Right. Where did this take place again? Hmm. Yeah. So Q driving up to the sinkhole, which is currently taped off with that cautionary tape 
Um, Dean is very cavalier. He's just looking out. Okay, there's only room for one of us. I'll be the one to climb in. Sam's trying to be a little more cautious, but Dean just calls him a chicken on it. And again, I'm like, mm, we got some performative behavior going on here, boys. Yeah, there's so many, even in just these first eight episodes, there's so many brotherly moments like this mm -hmm. that read as, you know, just casual brotherly teasing. There's a lot of tension in this episode between the two, yes. the two boys. Yeah, it's brotherly banter, but then there's this little extra edge to it. Yeah. Like, okay, why is that here in this episode? And it started in the last scene with them at the bar where we're going to see how they are being led to this argument about their upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yep. But as it is... Dean goes to flip that coin to see who goes down, but Sam grabs the coin out of the air and volunteers himself. And we don't see him getting into the hole, presumably because that would just be a waste of time on the film. <laughs> but um, we cut to them back in the car and Sam has this little dead beetle that he's playing with in his hand. Right. And Dean is saying, oh, you went down into a hole in the ground and you found a bug fascinating congratulations <laughs> <laughs> but sam says hey there were no tunnels no tracks nothing weird it was just a hole in the ground there was nothing there other than this handful of beetles and maybe that's something yeah maybe there were more there since you know dean points out 10 bugs could not eat a person's brain and Sam's like, it's weird how bugs could just, like, move. They could just disappear. They don't just sit in one place. <laughs> well, maybe there was more. Well, maybe <laughs> you're just grasping at straws. So let's do something more here and actually find out some more about the area about the history about anything else that may have gone down recently uh and dean says hey there's an open house down the street the free barbecue has nothing to do with it uh, yeah. let's, let's ignore go. that sign yeah, yeah 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 let's just go talk to people no better way to learn than to go talk to people and yeah just having Dean get that little comment about, you know, you seem, you just want to go for the barbecue. I'm like, oh, Jensen, you do regret the direction this is going to take you with Dean. What? What about barbecue specifically? Well, I just mean, like, we're going to see in future episodes, but they have between Sam and Dean... Dean becomes the one that's fixated on the very um, unhealthy diner, fast food, the kind of, again, the uh -huh. masculine meal of a burger or ribs or just shit like that. And this scene on its own, innocuous, um, with 300 episodes behind it, <laughs> it's the beginning of the end. <laughs> hey. He's a simple guy. He, uh, mm -hmm. he he appreciates the simple pleasures in life. Truly. So they pull over at the open house sign, um, knock on the door. They are greeted by the land developer, Larry Pike. 
we get that gay joke. Excellent job with your face journeys here, boys. <laughs> well, and it's not have... it's not a gay joke though. The show is just playing it as a gay joke. Um Okay, okay, semantics. Well well, well, because, you know, Larry is not, you know, insulting them, except no. one one of them, Sam, takes it in good humor, and then one of them, Dean, shuts the fuck down. <laughs> Yes. And it's such a choice to have the characters react the way that they do. Um, It's telling of the time, you know, 2005, Mm -hmm. that this could even be a joke and not just a statement being said to the characters. But, uh, yeah, I... Again, those space journeys, I like them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and before we skip past it, um, when Sam and Dean do pull up to the open house, they're walking to the door, Dean is looking around the neighborhood and saying, growing up in a place like this would freak me out. Sam yes. questions him, why? What do you mean? This is a nice neighborhood. And Dean says manicured lawns have a good day honey no no thank you i i am not about that life i would shoot myself before i did something so mundane with my everyday oh my god and yeah sam's tying it immediately to the fact that you know there's nothing wrong with being normal and dean countering it saying that he would take their family over normal any day but it's so interesting to have Dean being here doing this really defensive pattern, this attack against the suburbs, when we see where his character ends up and we see what this what he actually thinks about these types of lives. Right. What he, you know, bit by bit over the series, his actual priorities, his actual wants and needs, his deepest wishes tell a very different story than what we're seeing here. Yeah, like even when we get to the Dijin episode, um, he is in the suburbs. He is, all of his family mm-hmm. is living that life. And that episode is highlighting how out of place he feels because he feels like there's something wrong with him that makes it so he can't live in that type of environment. So... I'm thinking of that one in particular with what he's saying now. Here he is pinning the reason of his dislike on the environment. He's saying, this is weird. This is not something I would want to be around. But as time goes on, we find more out that Dean is like, no, I don't fit in here. I feel like I'm a fraud in these types of environments. And it's just... Oh, it's a delicious development. Yeah, yeah. It also... This line this scene it read very weird to me how defensive dean is being over nothing Mm -hmm. like dean nobody asked you yeah that came out of the blue he just had to say it right and it and it read very strongly to me as just his indoctrination into Mm -hmm. this lifestyle and how and they even address it in this episode how 
John raised them a certain way, and the only way to not draw John's ire was to play along and to stand behind him and to not rock the boat. So the the kinds of things that Dean is saying here, it just feels very trained. Yes, it feels like John speaking out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Or at least something he would say to John to appease John, to be like, no, you did it right. You raised us the right way. I love the way we were raised. I think this stuff is sick. It's it's just very it's uncomfortable to me because he is disparaging these things that don't affect him like he doesn't have to talk this way so derogatory towards these certain aspects of the normal life but he does because he was like i said he was trained to do that yeah it feels like a reactive comment rather than something that he's thought through mm, definitely mm-hmm Oh, so good. Okay, (laughs) we're going into the backyard. There's a bunch of people mixing around. We meet Larry's wife, Joni. Um, They're kind of talking up, trying to do the sell of this place. We find out that the Pikes actually live in this house. And the next woman who joins us, Linda Bloom, she is the head of sales. And she also lives in the Oasis Plains development. Right. The only two right now that are living uh, in the development, but they're hyping up the place. They're going through the sales pitch. They're talking about all the amenities and the options of these new builds. And Sam and Dean are, you know, they separate. Dean goes with Larry. Larry is walking him through their house. Uh, Dean sees some terraniums around the house that have bugs um, of certain kinds. (laughs) I'm like a a collection of squirming insects. Right. Unidentified. Yeah. Yeah. You know, terraniums might be a bit um, generous because one... um, one container is literally just like a pile of crickets and I'm like why do you have truly why do you have your tarantula food out on the kitchen table but okay <laughs> yeah I mean they went to PetSmart or somewhere like that they were like do you sell bugs here and they're like um only as food and they're like cool fill this container up with it we need a prop piece <laughs> anyways so Dean says While he's in the house of Larry and Larry's giving him the tour, Dean says, oh, someone likes bugs, I see. And yeah, that is Larry's son. Uh, It's a, you know, he's a curious child, something along those lines, I think is how Larry describes it. Yeah, one of the highest adjectives you want to give. Like, that's just high praise for a son there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And still outside in the backyard, Sam is uh, speaking with the real estate agent, and we see a large tarantula uh, approaching Linda's outstretched hand on the picnic table. She doesn't see it. Sam does, and... He removes himself from the conversation with Linda to go and uh, pick up the tarantula and return it to uh, its his owner without having scared Linda out of her skin, I guess. Yeah. He just kind of is like, this conversation is over. He grabs the tarantula or... 
I shouldn't say grab. He coaxes it onto his hand and then he sees the one mischievous teenager that's kind of keeping an eye on what's going on and he goes and approaches that kid. Right. And we meet Matthew. And Matt, I'm like, that's a good way to get your your pet squished. If it yeah. if it was me and something brushed against my hand, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, you're rolling fifty fifty odds there that it's going to get fucking swept across the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Sam saves the day in a little a little way. And returns the tarantula to Matt and introduces himself and uh, finds a kindred spirit in this surly teenager. Yeah, they don't chat too much, but um, by now, Larry and Dean have returned to the backyard and Larry is calling his son over and we don't hear what is passed between them. But it looks like Larry is talking very sternly to his son. Right. Sam looks on and says to Dean, ah, does that remind you of someone? Hmm. And Dean's just like 404 not found. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, Dad never treated us like that. Which is fucking wild, B. I know. I understand that it's episode eight, okay? I understand that we are still finding our footing on where the narrative is going. But, but this fits. Yes. But this fits. And that's the crazy part. <laughs> Head in my hands, muffled screaming. Here, Dean yeah. Genuinely thinks. Like, it wasn't that bad. Sure, he raised his voice sometimes, but, like, we deserved it. Yeah, but if, you know, sometimes you were out of line. Oh, yeah, and Sam's going, okay, yeah, he did that when I was like, I want to play soccer instead of do bow hunting. Like, it wasn't something that deserved that response. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just wild how... Dean has been with John for two years now, and that's two years where his brother had left the family, that they ended on a sour note, and Dean has spent these two years kind of learning how to justify what happened and justify choosing to stick with John in this situation rather than, you know, use this opportunity to go and do your own life too. Like Dean throughout this episode is saying like, he should have stuck with his family. Like the dad has reason for doing what he's doing. And like, it was good in the end. And just this whole house of cards he set up inside of his house and that we're seeing on full display completely unquestioned by Dean yet. It's just like, oh my God, the indoctrination of it all. Absolutely. It's also very telling that we have Sam here in this moment challenging it. Yes, look, this is the relationship that we had with our father, constantly being repressed, constantly being berated, um, out of proportion, punished for things that were we're not, you know, we, we're damaging for one, but also something that we didn't deserve. Um, and Dean, he's 
alternating between like, no, I don't, I don't recall it that way. That's not my experience. And well, okay. When it was like that, he confesses, you know, cause at first he says, no, it wasn't like that. And he's like, yeah. okay, I'll give you that when it was like that, it's because we deserved it. And that attitude alone is like Sam is saying, okay, so John didn't treat you like that. You were always perfect. Me though, I got the worst of it. And then Dean here still just parroting back these things that the, the things that would have made him the perfect child. Um, well, be perfect in the sense that I am less likely to receive my dad's ire if I mold myself into this shape. Exactly. Exactly. And we still, we see him still maintaining that shape, you know. Exactly. It's only been like, what, five months now without John around? Mm -hmm. So that's not long enough to kind of deprogram yourself from this persona you've adopted in order to make your dad not hate you. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yes, yes. And again, it's just very telling that Sam is here saying, well, you know, he didn't treat you like that. He, he treated me like that because I would challenge him and you never did. But Sam doesn't seem to realize that, like, there's a, there's a reason that, Dean never challenged him. Dean is just as damaged as Sam is. Yeah. Just a different flavor of it. He had all of his sort of resistance to authority taken out of him. Like that was something that he lost as he grew up. Mm -hmm. And that it's something that we see him struggle with throughout the entire series. And like here it is bald faced right now on display to the audience. And we can see just how unquestioning dean is about this yeah we had the best upbringing no the suburbs are terrible i'd rather die than be part of that like he's saying all of these things earnestly yeah even though we find out that it's not how he actually feels well it's so so interesting because like you said he's saying all these things earnestly i would argue that in his in this moment he He's so, so nose blind to it all. It, mm -hmm. He truly, honestly believes these things that he's saying. And when, and, and then that's why it's so fascinating, though, all the rest of the series to see this being dismantled and to see him grow from it. Because yes. this is where he started. And, and episodes like this really, really highlight how much he, um... Internalized. Yes, how much he internalized, but then how much he shed from those, yes. those traumas. Like, the Dean from You Watch Oprah compared to the Dean when Taylor Swift comes on the radio and he's just like, mm, I'm not going to change it and kind of bounces his head to it. Like there are worlds between those two. 
And as repressed as that second one still is, it's miles beyond where he was right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know Elsa. Suck it. Oh my gosh. And like the mommy blogs that he knows about in the (laughs) season 14 finale. Like everything. This man... It's like you say, it's nose blind. He hasn't realized that this is something he can question. Mm -hmm. It's something that he has taken and absorbed from his father and not realized that it's separate from himself. But even, yes, 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 and yes. But even so far, let's look at bugs. Uh, Not bugs. (laughs) Let's look at skin. You know, we know that he's not completely oblivious he is just so so internalized buried so deep that he's just got layers and layers and layers of protection against these thoughts because anytime that he even starts to question something he buries it back down so deep that it's just not even it's not yeah he can't he can't even process it Because, again, the stuff that we learned in Skin was not from Dean himself. It was from a shifter possessing his form and using the psychic connection to mine the truths out of Dean's mind. Like, Dean in Skin would never admit to any of those things because it's like you're saying, he sees it as his job to defend the life choices that their family is in because he knows how separate they are from the real world and he's justifying it across every corner he justifies it in the pilot he's justifying it now Mm -hmm. and it's because the alternative is to examine it and who boy that this kid is not ready for that yet no no quite the conversation to have at a backyard barbecue (laughs) except they're not even having the conversation yet b I know. It gets so much worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Okay. Okay. What did we learn here, though? We learned that there was some previous death in this area about a year back. This guy died from a shitload of bee stings. Yes. Severe allergic reaction to bee stings and more bugs. Yeah. So it's time for a drive and talk. Mm -hmm. What the heck makes bugs attack? Mm-hmm. Sam is driving, uh, and they're brainstorming. You know, in some cases, ghostly hauntings uh, manifest with bug infestations, but not really getting any ghost vibes here, so maybe there's something controlling the bugs, and these are targeted attacks, uh, Sam posits, you know, there has been recorded psychic connections with uh, certain elements of nature. Bugs can be, that could be possible. Mm-hmm. Telepaths were mentioned, but this whole idea of someone controlling the insects, Dean kind of points at Matt and being like, maybe Larry's kid. And Sam doesn't look like he wants to agree but he does point out the tarantula thing that happened Mm -hmm. so um they are kind of we're we're left believing that maybe that's a lead that we can follow right 
but um, Dean has them pull over in front of one of the empty houses that are being constructed. And um, he plans on them squatting there for the night because he really wants to check out the steam shower. So he hikes up the garage door. Sam drives in and kind of gut punches Dean on his way by. (laughs) Yeah. And they have snuck the Impala in there for the night. I would, again, attribute this to that, like, tension that we're feeling this episode because, um, you know, Sam is saying, we're really going to squat here? Dean's, yes, come on, get in here, Mm -hmm. come on. He's being Mm -hmm. sharp. And, um, And when Sam drives in, he he gives that little gut punch and it's just not the same like socky in the shoulder push you out of the way roll your eyes when they're fighting over the computer lab yeah uh exactly and like this this kind of gut punch that he does feels like the bookend to the kind of um soft punch that Dean did in the backyard after Linda made the comment, you know, all sexual orientations are welcome here. And Dean, again, his face got really tight and he goes like, okay, honey, as his way by. And then like, does that little punch to Sam as he goes. Like there's this level of brittleness to these interactions that used to have like a level of banter to them. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Also, Dean's shoulders, as he turns to walk away, he sets them and he marches uh, with that, with the second, you know, all sexual orientations comment. Yeah. The the first time, he still had to get through the door. The second time, he's just, see ya. He's out of there. Yeah, he's done. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also think of the fact that he's choosing this house for them to squat in like just a scene before he's saying how he hates these suburbs he'd rather die than be in them and yet here he is being like well i want to check out the steam shower like we're gonna stay here instead of a motel that we're comfortable with and that we're always in he's choosing this place even though he has said he is just abhorrently against it Mm-hmm. he's doing an illegal so you know, that levels it's totally out. okay. That levels yeah. out in his mind. That he doesn't actually good. want to be here. He just want to save the, he just wants to save the fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. There's all again, oh here's a bunch of hoops he'll jump through to justify something that he wants and says that he doesn't. And then we see him the next morning having a very indulgent uh steam shower session. Yeah. And like they show him with the whole towel wrapped around your head like again this is not something that you would visually identify with dean because it seems like a very soft gesture compared to that hard persona he constantly wants to put on Mm -hmm. so we're getting layers baby (laughs) but this night we pop over to linda's house again in the oasis plains complex Um, She is unwinding from her day. Um, She's watching the news about the West Nile virus being in the valley. So getting an idea of, okay, mosquitoes are kind of going nuts in this area. And a bug crawls on her face and she just flicks it away. She was like, never mind that spider that's the size of my eye. (laughs) Yeah, that is 
That wasn't a little something something. That was a big nope spider. Yeah. And, like, the companion book was talking, and they didn't say it in these terms, but they were comparing Linda's actor versus Dustin's actor. And, like, Dustin's actor being, like, so uncomfortable with all the beetles crawling around him. And then they were like, yeah. And then our actress that had, like, spiders on her face, like, the death shot that we see of her, all Uh those spiders on her. And she was just chill. She was completely naked. She had spiders all over her, and she was fine. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned that. They said they had something like 2,000 beetles on the guy. Yeah, like a buttload, and he was just not having it. He did not enjoy that experience. And I'm sure she Uh didn't either, but she was like, no, I'm going to just power through this (laughs) spider scene. Well, so she, I guess she just doesn't notice the spider. She just feels a tickle, and she swats it away, but, you know, she goes to take a shower, and we see, um... This just nest explosion of spiders coming out of the shower drain. She sees them taking over her small space. And she does what, uh, I think, a reasonable response, okay? She tries to get out of there, but she kind of tries to, like... Looney tunes it through the shower door. She trips, she slips, and she falls through the shower door, shattering the glass. And I don't know if she died from blood loss from the wounds from the glass or if she died from, um, like, poisonous spider bites. Yeah, I don't think the glass helped. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, But I do think, based off of Dean's comment later, we're supposed to realize the spiders are what killed her. Right, right. Um, So we, yeah, she had fallen out of the shower and she died from the, the, the spider bites. Yeah. So it's the next morning and Sam is knocking on the bathroom door trying to get Dean moving because he just heard on the police scanner about a death three blocks over or three houses over. I'm not too sure how big this development is. He said three blocks from here. It seems like a big development. Okay, fair enough. And yeah, we see Dean with his fuzzy little hat. Like his little <laughs> towel turban that he's wearing and just this pillowy sheet of steam rolling out the door with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been in there for a while. Yeah. Luxuriating. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God. Now, okay, this next part. They drive to the house where the coroner's office is wheeling out Linda's body. And it's raining. And they get out of the Impala with umbrellas, and apparently this was a hugely contentious topic for Eric Kripke. What? Whether or not the boys are allowed to use umbrellas. What? Because umbrellas are pretty gay. (laughs) I'm not even (laughs) the least bit surprised, B. I know. I know. It's the disappointed but not surprised. Oh my god. Because this is like the only episode we see the boys use umbrellas. (laughs) 
And that's why it's not masculine enough to be using umbrellas. Oh my god. So instead of powering through the tur like truly torrential rain that's coming down. Yeah, welcome to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've nope, got some they're umbrellas. Not allowed. Okay. They're not allowed. It breaks the bro code of supernatural. Oh my god. But so enjoy this unicorn of a scene, Sam and Dean talking with Larry, all three of them having their own individual umbrellas. And we learn about Linda's death and they decide that they need to get into her house to investigate further. I didn't even notice the umbrellas. I know, but believe me, Kripke noticed. <laughs> he wrote down in his journal furiously, we do not allow this on Supernatural. Oh my God. Okay. I Okay, so the coroners drive off, they go into the backyard, they hop a fence, climb the trellis, get into a window, and they confirm that besides the outline of where Linda died on the floor, <laughs> there is a towel, and when they open it, a bunch of rubber spiders fall out of it. Fucking oh, I mean, real spiders. Party city, fucking one dollar. This this is the spirit Halloween clearance sale because we're only here for one month and we're packing out. We're gone. These mysterious rubber spiders are all the <laughs> trace that we leave behind. Have you ever have you ever made graveyard pudding for Halloween? I don't think I have. See see does it's, it involve them? Oh yeah yeah definitely. See you just have um chocolate pudding on top um of a chocolate sheet cake and then you sprinkle you crush and sprinkle oreos to be the dirt on your mm -hmm. graveyard and you can put you know little marshmallows to be your gravestones or peeps or whatever and some um oh what are they called candy corns the orange candy mm -hmm. corns decorate your graveyard cake pudding casserole uh and you can put the little rubber spiders around your graveyard and it's just a fun time for all that's what i thought of i thought of graveyard uh cake pudding halloween casserole. you're having a dean moment mm -hmm. then you're seeing the spiders and you're like mm -hmm. i do like the description of it being a casserole though that makes it <laughs> extra delightful <laughs> brought me back so yeah we know now that she died by the spiders, so of course they're going, Matt, maybe we should see what he's up to. So they drive to a lookout location where they can see Matt getting off the school bus, but rather than heading towards home, he goes in the opposite direction. Sam and Dean deem this suspicious enough that they need to tail him. Yeah. Yeah, they approach him as he's uh, trying to capture a, a stick bug, and mm -hmm. they again um, question him on this, you know, interest he seems to have in the bug, in the bugs of the area. Mm-hmm. And, like, did he know about Linda? She died by spider bites. Dean says it in this really pointed way uh-huh right and and matt is like oh god are you following me oh god are you serial killers yeah correct response by the way good uh -huh. job baby Stuart. right and uh no but wait you think i had something to do with this 
And then he also knows about the previous deaths. Like he points out the oil and gas company worker, Dustin, and then the bee sting from a year before. And they're like, wait, you know about that too? And yeah, he's been paying attention to the insects in the area and he has something to show Sam and Dean about that. Yeah, yeah. Sam and Dean aren't the only ones to notice this pattern. Matt says there's something weird, something going on with the bugs. Uh, Look, let me just show you. Yeah. So as they're walking, talking, Sam makes the point to ask Matt why he hasn't warned his dad about this. And Matt's like, yeah, my dad doesn't listen to me. I'm the freak son, which Sam relates to. And as he's trying to comfort Matt, you know, assuring him that in two years you can go to college and escape your family, um, Dean seems really surprised by all this information and then makes this miffed comment saying that he should stick with his family. And then it's Sam's turn to look annoyed at him. Yeah, yeah. And this little exchange is going to come up later where Dean yeah. challenges Sam on this questionable advice that he's giving the kid. Yeah, because as far as Dean's concerned, you stick with family no matter what. And so the fact that Sam offers to Dean's eyes so flippantly to say, you know, in two years you can leave this place and like essentially never come back. You don't have to deal with your dad again. That's really an affront to Dean. Whereas for Sam, he's like, what do you mean stick no matter what? Like, go to therapy, bitch. Well, it's also, it's, I think that is also hitting Dean hard because Sam's not saying like, hey, just, you know, I, I know that it's hard, but it'll get better. Sam is saying, hey, guess what? In two years, something great is going to happen. Yes. You're going to get to go to college. You're going to get to leave. You're going to get to never have to deal with it again. This is this is the thing that you get to hope for, and this is what's going to make your life better. And that is Sam saying right basically to Dean's face, like, leaving you was the best decision I could have made. Yeah. And there's... Pretty much nothing you could say to Dean at this point that would be any more hurtful than that. Absolutely. Oh, this episode. <laughs> and really, they're not, they're both not trying to to hurt each other. That's that's another really fascinating thing about this episode. They're just speaking their own experiences. But they're getting these cross signals where mm-hmm. they're both being being very hurtful and dismissive of the other's experiences, uh, I would say unintentionally. Yeah, it feels like they're getting to a defensive place where it's not so much about what is being said. It's just... No, I feel like you are attacking my decisions, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to fight back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. And again, base journeys. We got some great base journeys here. <sighs> but we enter a meadow. Yeah. We get to the spot Matt is referring to. Um, the forest in this clearing is whirring with insect noises and Matt is saying that all kinds of bugs congregate here for unknown reasons. 
Um, they do see a dirt mound crawling with earthworms in this clearing. And Dean goes and pokes a stick at it. And he feels like there is something down in this hole. And so he reaches in very bravely for a case where bugs are killing people. <laughs> and he pulls out a human skull. And then, you know fucking what, B? Then they dig out more and they're like, I'm going to put these human skulls in a box. And yeah. then... And then drive them to a college university where I'm going to casually hand them to a, a, a history professor yeah. and be like, identify these human remains to me. Oh, report to the police? No, I, no, no. no. It's I'm just gonna anthropology have... 101. This is what we do, right? We're normal <laughs> human college oh students. Oh, God. Oh my god. Insane. There's at least three skulls in this box. Like, <laughs> if I was that anthropology professor, it's like, okay, just give me a second. I have to go to the police. <laughs> I'm gonna back away slowly. I don't recognize you. You say you're in my 101 class. I'm not teaching 101 this semester. <laughs> I'm getting psycho vibes. Like, I got to go. I do not need to be here. He just looks at them. We're, yeah, we're in your Anthro 101 class. I guess really leaning into the whole, you know, 100-person classes that they just mm -hmm. he just won't fucking mm -hmm. know who they are. Uh, hey, but this is one lie that paid off, I guess, because the and the call again, the college professor is just examining these human re remains that these two psychopaths brought into his <laughs> classroom. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say, you know, about 170 years old, probably Native American due to the, you know, just going off of the geography and the time frame. And, you know, the plot line we have to pursue here. Oh, my God. Like, seriously. I know. I know. I know. It's fucking insane. But, like, before we even get to the anthropology professor here, we have another head bang between Sam and Dean where as they're walking talking Dean brings up what Sam said about you know the advice wasn't respect your old man it was get the fuck out of there yeah and Sam says Dean thinks that he didn't respect John but he did um it's just that there's nothing he did that was ever good enough for their dad yeah, and again, like, the whole respect thing, the follow, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. comply. Yeah, I, the whole you don't have to like it, you have to do it. Right, you know, you were out of line. Yeah. It, 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 again, this episode is pretty uncomfy for me. Uh, not to say that I personally experienced anything close to what Dean has gone through, but I can recognize that this is a pattern yeah. of... <laughs> defending the abuse. Yeah, defending the abuse. Yeah. And so here again... Dean is saying, like, what kind of advice was that? Is that he should have stuck with his family no matter what. Show some respect. And Sam says, look, I respect Dad. He he never he doesn't say this but it was kind of a tit for tat. He didn't respect me and my choices. Yeah. 
the whole arguments about Sam wanting to live a normal life and Sam feeling like this was a huge disappointment to their father. Right. And Dean is just not seeing it the way that Sam is and is saying, you know, like, dad was never disappointed. Like, how could you think that? And Sam's like, no, I think he continues to be disappointed in me. And Dean offers up this kind of horrible nugget. And I wonder how much of this is just projecting or like he's giving the dues to John, but saying that um, that he and John, assumed both of them, are they kept tabs on Sam. They stopped by him to see how he was doing in Stamford whenever they were in the area. Like, they, the reason why John was upset was because Sam going away meant that John couldn't protect him anymore. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm like, Dean, your, your self is showing. Yes, that was very much Dean projecting his own hurt because, you know, Sam is saying, you know what most fathers would do when their kid got a full ride to an Ivy League college? They would be proud. They would stand behind their kid and be yeah. supportive. Nothing I ever did was good enough. Um, yeah. And like hearing about that full ride, John kicks Sam out. Like that's essentially the point we learn that the argument took place and Sam parted ways. Yep. Yep. And Dean says, hey, yeah, actually, I remember that fight. I remember things were said on both sides. Again, defending John. Yeah. Like trying to say, Sam, you're not blameless in this, yeah. which is a shitty thing to do because Sam's trying to vocalize the hurt he feels like yes i just wanted dad to be proud of me for this huge accomplishment but because the accomplishment didn't fit into the hunter life it was actually a the straw that broke the camel's back right yeah a failing right and dean is not hearing sam he is just you know, I think it's just this big bundle of hurt on both sides mm-hmm. and and Dean not being able to separate himself from John's own influence. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, things were said on both sides. He never didn't care. He, you know, was just scared that you wouldn't be okay without him which was just straight projection for, yeah, for Dean's because, own feelings. And, like, look at them right now. Sam and Dean are alone. John's not worrying sick and, like, coming yeah. and seeing how they're doing. He's left them to fend for themselves. And so, like, that whole thing, I definitely, like, Dean's projecting here. Yes, I, I agree. And Dean is also saying, well, so when Dean says, hey, we drove by John whenever he had the chance he would go to Stanford and he would check in on you just to make sure you were okay and Sam says why didn't you ever tell me that and Dean says it's a two-way street you know you could have picked up the phone too yeah and thinking of them in their positions right now like for Sam he hasn't talked to his father in two years so there is 
kind of the note that he left on that argument is the final flavor in his mouth when it comes to his relationship with John. But from Dean's perspective, he just had two years where it was only him and John. And like when you're with someone like John, you're really reading in, you're intuiting so that you know how to appease. And so I think that Dean probably does have insight into his father, but all of that is flavored by Dean's own opinions. And I think this conversation, as much as Dean wants to give the credit to John, I think it more sits on Dean himself. Yes. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And this fight too, right? The day, the night, that Sam left for college, uh, season five, the dark side of the moon, when mm-hmm. when Sam and Dean are in Ooh. heaven and reliving their best memories. Oh my god! We we actually experience this night from both Sam and Dean's perspective, and oh wow, this was a one heartbreak. of heartbreak. Heartbreak. This was one of your best memories this was the worst night of my life oh my god oh remy i wasn't (laughs) ready for dark side of the moon i knew it was there and i skittered like a bug (laughs) away from its light me and my notes all caps i remember that fight (laughs) yeah me too bro of course. Of course Dean does. It's burned into his head. It's the night that his family fractured for a second time. Yeah. Ah. There's a lot in this episode. There's a There's lot so of hurt, a lot of foundation. So much. Like, we're we're getting the shit to compare against all of these episodes. 15 years in the making. Like, Bugs does not deserve the shit (laughs) it gets. Again, case terrible. The character moments in this episode are exquisite. I I really, truly was not expecting to get as invested as I was in this episode. But yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm a changed woman, B. Yeah, I... I remember the first time watching this being like, oh, I really like this episode. And then, like, finding out people hated it. I'm like, why? (laughs) I mean, I know why, but again, there's nuggets that deserve credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they finished their conversation. We had this nightmare instance for this anthropology professor. But the information he gives us is there is the Utree tribe nearby, 60 miles from here. Um, You could go to them for information about who lived here, kind of what went on. And make sure to to bring your human remains costume man with you on the way out. Yeah, you know, this is normal. This is fine. We have no questions about this. Nope. 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 So let's drive to the location he described. Um, They meet Joe White Tree. Um, He's playing cards. I think it's in like a community center or like Coffee Row kind of would take place there. 
Yeah, it looks it looks like a diner slash like roadside gas mm-hmm. station kind of place. Yeah. But Joe here sees through Dean's lies right away. And again, I'm like, ooh, this is lovely. I can work with this. Um, forces them to speak plainly about Oasis Plains. And so Sam just comes out and says exactly what they're here for, what they're looking for. And this poor actor now has to play into some really unfortunate tropes of recounting a ancient tale about something that took place I said ancient that's stupid 200 years ago when the Calvary royally fucked shit up for the First Nations people who lived there right right he will he will tell them the story as his grandfather's grandfather told him mm-hmm. uh, or told it and and I did love Dean and Sam rock up and Dean says, hey, we're students at the university. We just want to learn some more about your history. No, mm-hmm. false. I know you're lying. So why don't yeah. you tell me why you're really here? And then, okay, the truth is, and then, no, 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 no. That never starts an honest statement. Right. You know who, who starts a sentence with the truth is? Liars. And then when Sam starts to... I would even say he's talking around the truth, but I'll let it go. He yeah. He's saying that there's something bad happening in this community and we need to know more about the land. Uh, but Joe says, hey, I, I like this guy. He's not a liar. Very yeah, pointedly again, to Dean. That's That's got some weight behind it. Oh, absolutely. Because all that we have been saying in... These past eight episodes, I think that it's come up at least once every single episode, is that Dean is lying to himself and he's lying to the world about mm-hmm. his true self and what he really thinks about any given thing. Yeah, he's just slipping into whatever persona gets him the furthest in what he needs in that moment. And trying to pull the same stunts that he did in Colorado in episode two or the same um, tale that they gave the coroner's office in Bloody Mary. Um, It's just not working now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And alternatively, I would say that Sam is trying to live honestly, but is he really? Yeah. It's like how much self-deceit is being discounted here. Right. Right. But they... You know, they get the story, right? Yeah. That um, that the land that, uh, what is it, Oaks? Oasis Plains. Oasis Plains. Uh, that the land that Oasis Plains is being uh, built on is a site of great tragedy for the First Nations people. And there was a curse put around. Upon the land, uh, so that n- no white man could ever tarnish the land again, and that nature yeah. itself would rise to defend it. Yeah. So for six days, this atrocity was committed by the Calvary, like raping, pillaging. And by the sixth day, anyone who was still there from the First Nations tribe um, was 
destroyed. They were killed. And the curse was laid on that day, as you described. And um, based off of this story, um, the first day appears to have been on the spring equinox. And um, on the sixth day from that, none would survive. So um, at this point... Sam and Dean are ready to leave. They've got the information that they wanted. And yeah, you're, you're saying nature rises up, but only bugs are doing it? Okay. But let's do some math. When did Dustin die? Um, and how many days out from that are we? Because if this happens annually, starting on the spring equinox, then oh shit, today is the sixth day. And that's when shit is really going to go down. Yeah, and um, these are the answers to the questions that Sam asked er very early on in the episode, which is, why bugs? Why now? And now they're positing that right around this time of year, the spring equinox, uh, the no one is safe. And as we had learned from Larry earlier in this episode, uh, the development has been going on for about 18 months. And before that, uh, there was nothing but grassland in in the plains. And uh, so now it's only now that this this curse is become relevant to the people that are trying to establish uh homes on the land and it it even jives with what we heard about the very first death uh in the area which was about a year ago one of the surveyors before they had even started mm-hmm. building died of those bee stings yeah so there were maybe not many people that were permanently on that land last year around this time Mm -hmm. but this year there are actually people living there and as the work closes there's again more white folks fucking around and it's made the curse more visible it is showing up on the radar and yeah they're on the sixth day and shit's about to go down Right. So now they're 60 miles out from Oasis Plains. Tonight is the last night. Uh, And Sam says, what do you do to stop a curse? And Dean says, you don't stop a curse. You get the hell out of its way. So the only thing they can do is warn Matt and Larry and uh, Joni about what's coming for them evacuate yes yeah yeah so they were 60 miles out from oasis plants at this point by time they drive back it's nightfall um we have matt out in the backyard with a flashlight he's presumably going to get more specimens for his ap science class um but he hears weird noises on the ground and when he goes and looks in this hole it just starts pouring out cockroaches and i'm like welcome to my nightmare (laughs) you know i don't know the hissing cockroaches don't get to me i say as if i've you know i i've never experienced a hissing cockroach in my own home it's those fucking oak cockroach fuckers that mm, no no them bitches are fast and ugly and dirty. Uh, I have never faced any cockroaches before, 
No. Never in my life. So they are a fictitious thing from television. And seeing that many in one place, like, of the earth, I'm like, mm not a fan of whatever the fuck these things were. And I needed oh Matt God. to say later it was cockroaches to be like, okay, I identified this correctly. <laughs> oh, my God, B. As someone who grew up, like, South Mississippi, my mind is fucking blown. Yeah? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know where they're endemic, but they're not here. Never seen a cockroach before. Nope. They're just a fact nope. of fucking life, B. No. There's something made up on television to point out a place as being gross because you'll oh lift God. something and then just a hundred cockroaches pour out and you're like, that's creepy. I don't like that. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I grew up with more, I guess trees and damp around then i don't know where i don't i don't know where cockroaches reside but every once in a while you get one of those little fuckers crawling across the kitchen floor Mm, not fun not fun b burned in the house anyways yeah yeah it's cockroaches uh fruit flies and mosquitoes those are the big three Okay, yeah, I can get behind the fruit flies and the mosquitoes. Those are also very common here, <laughs> but not that guy. Hmm. Nope, hmm. nope, nope. Okay, so it's gross. We don't like it. Um, we have Sam call. Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, we have Dean. On the phone with Larry, he's trying to impersonate Travis at the gas company. Be like, oh, yeah, we got a gas leak. You got to get the fuck out of there for 12 hours at least. Don't question this. And Larry's like, I know who Travis is. He's worked for me for a year. I don't know who you are, but we're not buying what you're selling. Mm-hmm. So with that call having sucked, Sam calls Matt and is like, hey, can you get your family out of there? And Matt's like, yeah, I see some weird shit going on, too. And, but I don't know how to make my dad listen. And Sam's like, well, you got to make him do it. And Dean's just sitting there like, who taught you this? Like, why, why would you think that would work? Why would you go up to your dad and make him listen? Like, you could see Dean is just can't believe that this is the suggestion that Sam came up with. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sam is getting a little bit too invested in this and in I think projecting a bit like this is a personal growth moment. You can do right. this. Right. Matt, you just have to make him listen. Uh g- get them get your family out of the house, but Matt is saying they don't listen to me on a good day. Why would they ever believe this? And Dean literally snatches the phone from Sam and says, Damn right they wouldn't believe this. Tell them that you have appendicitis and get the fuck out of there. Exactly. Get them to take you to the hospital. That will work the end. And then like hangs up the flip phone, just slaps that clam shut and looks at Sam like, the fuck is wrong with you? Right, right. And I, I, I don't know. I liked this scene because yes, I, 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 to see Dean being that like assertive to say no matter what, 
do not tell your dad the truth. Tell him the thing that's going to save his life. Like, I I am taking on the authoritarian voice here. I'm going to be the voice of reason. And then Sam is just too wrapped up in it to see, to be, like, effective almost. I agree with Dean here. And I think Dean's suggestion is also telling, again, of a person who is intuitive around someone that is like an abuser he Mm -hmm. knows the way that you would do something that you'll get what you want without causing a fuss like yeah i love manipulate the person i love that because yes yes because here we had dean standing with sam in the backyard of that barbecue looking at larry and matt's interactions where larry is laying into his son and then that's where we had from dean no no this doesn't look familiar at all i have no idea what you're talking about our relationship with dad was nothing like that dad never treated us like that and then here he's saying no larry's not gonna buy that shit you're not gonna be able to make him listen you're gonna need to you're gonna need to do the thing that is going to get get it done yeah exactly you have to work within the confines that this person has put on your life and this is one way you can do it um again Mm -hmm. i'm like how many times did dean have to pull something similar to make it john's idea to have done something like Mm -hmm. how practiced is dean in these types of mechanics where he's like no you don't go up to a headstrong father being headstrong you go and do this shit instead i love that yeah like i I absolutely love the way that Dean, like, grabbed the phone and put this out instead of Sam's suggestion, just because time is of the essence and Dean is practiced with these types of dads. Yeah, I didn't think about it in those terms, but you're absolutely right that that fits perfectly. And it makes so much sense that Dean's approach made more sense because we saw the dynamic and you know it didn't sit right with me that sam was trying to say oh just reason with the guy no i was with dean but now i know why Mm -hmm. i was with dean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah sam was very much giving the advice he would have given himself two years ago Mm -hmm. but it's not what will be needed right now to save these people Mm mm-hmm But, like, despite all of this, when they drive up to the Pike house, they're all still inside. And, like, Sam and Dean are kind of, okay, what the hell, Matt? And Matt admits, like, I told them the truth and Dad didn't buy it. Like, he still won't listen to me. Yeah, and Larry himself comes out on the porch and, and he is telling Sam and Dean to get the fuck away from his family. And... Matt is just saying, why don't you listen to me? We have like, why don't you listen to me? And it's just, the whole thing is escalating because Sam and Dean are trying to, to, to tell Larry, no, this is serious. We have to go. But Larry is doubling down. He has no reason to believe anything that these strangers are saying 
And he's not listening to his own son either. But I would say, I would also argue that, you know, these strange men have obviously have direct contact with his son. He's just trying to protect his family. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's not being spelled out 100%, but we're supposed to be drawing parallels between Larry and John. And the way that Mm -hmm. Larry is protecting his family is the way that a person in the normal life would protect their family. Whereas if you had the knowledge of the supernatural, if you had the knowledge that Sam and Dean do, he would take a very different approach because he is a protective father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all it really amounts to is four men yelling in the front yard of this abandoned suburbs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. And it's midnight, so it's technically the seventh day, is it not? But, oh well. Ah, before the the sun rises. Well, 12 o'clock, time for bug swarms. We've summoned them. And I don't know about you, but I personally would be fine just, like, running through what happens until sunrise. Unless there's something you can, if you have that you want to add to it. Um, oh no, I took, like, literally two lines of notes from this point forward. So that's about, that's about right. Yeah. Okay. We're going to speed run the next six hours then, okay? They're inside the house. The doors are locked. Dean's like, let's go get some towels and stuff them under the door. We do this to exactly one door. Bugs are still (laughs) whirring around outside. Hey, did anyone check the chimney flue? Oh, fuck. They're coming in that way. Let's run upstairs. Dean's like, what if we grab some bug spray and do not use it for its original purpose? What if we use it as a flamethrower? And then they're like, genius, that definitely, like, cuts down on its radius of effect. You should do that until the can's empty. So let's get to the attic. Okay, we're getting in the attic. We're having trouble shutting the door for some reason. Time to throw a couple more fireballs. We're now in the attic. Oh shit, termites are on the roof and eating through the asphalt shingles. And we've got a hole open and we got more flying bugs in. It's a fucking problem. (laughs) And then we just shoot fireballs until the can's empty. And then we're all like, maybe we should have grabbed pillows and blankets and shit that we could have just hid ourselves underneath. No, we're going to do the same with our jackets until it's sunrise. And then, hey, look. Everybody survived. These bugs suck. (laughs) Literal, literal thousands of beads, bees flooding in through the holes in the attic. And yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do a little prayer circle for a moment. Yeah. It's like a moment or two hours. I wasn't really sure, like, what's happening. Yeah. It's the fastest night you've seen considering it's equinox season whatever we make it everyone's alive yay yeah (sighs) saved saved by the sun yeah good thing that curse had an expiration time because all you had to do was wait it out yeah i think that when people talk about this episode i think that this is the scene that uh yes mm -hmm. yes i mean I summarized what they were doing, and it's as ridiculous as it sounds. Like, Oh, no. I can go more ridiculous. How about the fact that they tried to use real bees in this scene? Thank you. Thank you. I was just about to say, too, like, 
they initially tried with like some 40,000 bees. And so they not only had like the day of shooting that they used these bees, but they did like their run throughs and stuff with these bees. So they'd put the bees into the area and then they'd vacuum them up and then shoot them out again. And the bee handlers are like, yeah, that really pisses them off. And the actors are like, are you fucking kidding me? Why are we doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Because Kripke, B. I know. He's like, we got to do it authentic. Poor Linda Bloom's actress. We're going to put real spiders on her face while she's naked. This is unfair. No, this is fine. Yeah, he just wants it. And then it doesn't even show up on film. So good job getting your cast and crew stung. Good job pissing off these bugs. And then you have to use your CG budget to make it look even remotely threatening. Yeah, yeah. The bees don't even uh, translate to film. You can't see them. So I wonder if these fucking bee stings that we see on Sam and Dean mm-hmm. are, are authentic or if they were just makeup on. I wouldn't be surprised. I know. I'm like, either way, I'd believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, probably the most ridiculous climactic scene of the entire series, barring season 15, episode 19, the (laughs) cuck fight. (laughs) That I continue to be irate about. I won't get into it because, again, we're trying to not give season 15 spoilers. I should do one of those spoilers without context mood board for the cuck fight. You know, put a rooster oh. in one corner, or Kaze Kaze Ha in the other. Yes, uh, yes. You have Goku, and you have a rooster, and you have the worst thing imaginable. I had to fit the Grim Ugh. Reaper in there at some- somehow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, immediately kill the Grim Reaper off. What's that one meme where um the woman I don't know, I suddenly don't know how to read. I need that. Yeah, to... yeah, Mariah Carey there. Oh, yeah. Right. Mhm. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, we're fine. We're in season 1. <laughs> Not season 15, season 1. No. No. Will that trauma can wait, okay? <laughs> right now, it's the morning. Sam and Dean are driving back to the house. Okay. They've probably gone off to a diner. They've had their breakfast. They've said, fuck this place. And when they come (laughs) back, there's a moving van already there. The pikes are on their way out. I mean, I mean, Dean, Dean probably went back to the squat house and decided to, you know, isolate himself in the (laughs) steam shower for a few days. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I think Mm -hmm. it would be something he's earned at this point. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, so, yeah, Larry and Co. are out of here. Yeah. So this is where we get a throwaway line that the development is on hold indefinitely as the government investigates the human remains that were located here. (laughs) Some two weeks late, presumably. I mean, it's been long enough that it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we should call the... Let's Sam being like, we have to live honestly. Okay, we're calling this <laughs> in. I wonder if they put the skulls back or if they just toss them into the trunk. 
I feel like if Dean was left with it, he probably took the box and then just like upended it back in the hole. And he's like, perfect. Oh no one will God. know we were here. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that details there. Um, Larry is assuring that he'll make sure no one lives in this area again. And I'm like, capitalism doesn't work that way. But I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam says, oh, you don't seem too torn up about this as the developer of the entire endeavor. And mm-hmm. he says, yeah, sure. This is the biggest financial disaster of my career, but I can't be too put out by it because at least me and my family are still here to, to tell the tale. Yeah, he's reunited with his son and that's all that matters. And that's what Sam is seeing here, too. Um, he has a very brief talk with Matt. It's almost not necessary. Uh, Matt is getting rid of all of his terraniums. He's turned off of bugs now. Yeah, they kind of weird me out now. Mm, reasonable yeah. response. All right, I have mean, a good life. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> and then it's time for Sam and Dean's final talk. And essentially, Sam has decided that he wants to find their dad and apologize for all the things he said that fateful night. Right, right. Now he doesn't really, you know, it's not just wanting to find dad because because he has to. It's wanting to find dad because he wants to. He wants to apologize. He understands now that John was just doing the best that he could. Yeah, which that's a really tidy bow to put on this episode. Um, it it feels like one of those not fleshed out things, but it makes sense for the characterizations they have created at this time. Right, right. I I agree. I feel like there was a little bit of get from A to B going on where Mm -hmm. we had a note that we were opening on and then we had a note that we were ending on and then all the stuff in the middle that... The real meat and bones of it. Right, right. That didn't really jive with, uh, you know, the meat and bones of this episode, I think, didn't really jive with the overall narrative arc that were imposed on the episode to be like, okay, we have to start and end at this point. Like, as we all know, if you want to skip a Supernatural episode, you just watch the first two minutes and then watch the last two minutes. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that this emotional arc that they've created would have really benefited from the ability to bleed through into further episodes. But Supernatural, love it, hate it, it really tries to self-contain these things in their own episodes. And it's mm-hmm. like you say, it's it doesn't get the breathing room it needs based off of the runtime of the episode. Right. And and really, I think that if we had seen, you know, if if you were just watching the first Roadhouse scene and then the last two minutes of this episode, then you would get a very different story than if you had watched the whole episode. Yeah, agreed. 
Because it's really seeing Sam and Dean butt heads for the first time about their upbringing and their perspectives coming on really defensively. Mm-hmm. And so to see at the end here, Sam being like, no, I want to apologize. Dad did the best he could. And then Dean being like, don't worry, sport, you'll get the chance. <laughs> and like, that's the note we leave on. That final scene just sticks out like a sore thumb. Definitely. It was definitely a dissonant note to 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 leave on. So Yeah. But that's what we got. That's the episode. Yeah, that's it. That uh was Bugs. Episode yeah. eight. Um, before we get into our final takeaways, I just want to note that this is also the episode of like reusing actors a shitload. Um, we already know Matthew. Um, he comes back in season eight as Samandriel. He's also um, Stuart on Letterkenny. Um, but the parents here, Larry and Joni Pike, they also come back as a husband and wife in season 15. Do they? What? Mm-hmm. Um, in episode four, Atomic Monsters. Oh, you know, yep, yep. I thought that, especially uh, Joni, I thought that she seemed familiar to me in, like, a unnamed angel kind of way, but I guess yeah. not. I think that I default to angel when I see a character. I'm like, I know you, but I don't know you. Yeah, but- <laughs> there's been enough instances, too, of, like, okay, this actor did come back as an angel that it's a safe bet at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. That's interesting. I definitely knew about Samandriel. Yeah. And I don't... I think even um, Linda Bloom, uh, she came back as a character in a later season. She came back as another Linda in um, season 11, Just My Imagination. Ah, fun. Mm-hmm. So we are recycling season one here. but yeah that was a distraction from our final takeaways um remy do you want to go first let me think i don't know b do you have your do you have your final takeaway up and ready i might need a moment (laughs) (laughs) is that your final takeaway that this episode doesn't deserve its rep okay it deserves its rep for very obvious reasons, but I feel like there are hidden gems in this episode that just get missed because people write mm-hmm. the episode off and don't want to rewatch it. Yeah, they just want to watch the first three minutes and the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just all of these interesting insights into the way Sam and Dean relate to their upbringing, relate to their trauma. Because we know already from the pilot that Sam wanted the normal life and Dean seems like, no, this is totally awesome. This is what we're meant to be. And this is the episode that we really get to dig into that a little bit more than what we saw in the pilot. And we get to see them clashing over it on a longer line than say just one scene on a bridge where Sam makes the mistake of mentioning Mary and Dean stops the conversation at that. Mm -hmm. Like this episode is our first foray into 
the lies they're telling themselves about how they were raised, um, the way that they still aren't able to see and acknowledge each other's traumatic upbringings and the way that it affected them both. Like, I love, I love the character moments in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that last thing, that last point that you made, I would say is probably what caught me the most and would be my final takeaway the fact that you know they're clashing in this episode but a lot of that fr- like mounting frustration is coming from miscommunication they're not yeah. seeing from the other's perspective they're not getting it and they that that unintentional um fight that it causes well i would say the unintentional hurt the just mm-hmm. the, just these comments that they're both making that um are not directed to be hurtful um are are the ones that are we see are landing the hardest in this episode with 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 sam talking to matt about leaving and forging his own way and dean saying to sam that eh, no i mean i i don't think that we had it that bad it was okay uh, that yeah, that's not that's not stuff him too well i but i would say that that wasn't dean trying to beat sam down it was just dean's perspective on how things were yeah like again they've been separated for two years and this is the first time we see them really broaching the subject of why and i think it's really pent up in them that they want to be heard and mm-hmm. the need to be heard and to i i don't want to say justify themselves but like they are defending their choices because it still is a sore subject that they haven't yet found the ability to discuss in a constructive manner I mean, if there's anything Sam and Dean are known for, it's we're not <laughs> going to talk in the helpful way. We're just going to yell and then find some middle ground somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that I think that one thing that this episode really highlighted is that they are um, they're not standing on even ground with their experiences, and there's a disconnect there, and that disconnect is is causing this tension which i found very interesting yes yeah it's very fascinating to see yeah 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 i'm glad that you enjoyed this episode more than you thought you would I I really did. It's been so long since I've seen it. Uh, I have I have done rewatches before. I will admit that I skip over certain episodes. This happened to be one of them. Uh, <laughs> and and then to watch it again today and to see all of these threads that I can weave into the narrative as a whole after having experienced the whole series. It's a very very foundational episode in a way that i didn't realize i wasn't expecting yeah i agree and we keep saying it but i think that a lot of a lot of episode uh, season one episodes uh are 
foundational. I was also thinking today, queuing up bugs. Uh, I mean, 2005, there was not a lot of good television on at the time. I would call <laughs> Supernatural good television. Even, I, I even for season so. one. I think that it's definitely years later that it starts earning its bad rep, but it definitely started out strong. I mean, mm-hmm. I I dislike a lot of the tropes that we see in these types of episodes, um, but we're seeing really good character moments and the cinnamon topography was definitely (laughs) like something above what you were seeing on television at that time i agree very cinematic in a way that most shows were not yeah especially a long form tv show like this is yes yeah they I will say in later seasons, they got a bit more formulaic in their cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least in the beginning, they were experimental and kind of doing something outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised that it caught uh, as wide of od- as wide an audience as it did at the time. I yeah, Just another thing I was thinking about today. Yeah, there's a reason why it's given us all brain worms. <laughs> <laughs> and we are having so much fun going yes. through it. Yes. That was season one, episode eight, Bugs. Are, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm looking at my timer here. I'm going to guess our longest episode to date with our season one mm-hmm. rewatch. Mm-hmm. I agree very very fun so we hope you guys enjoyed it love you guys for listening we had a ton of fun feel free to hit us up on any of our social media please do uh like comment subscribe reblog we'd love to see it yeah and join us next week when we cover episode nine home another one that's going to break me yeah, I feel like that one might become our next longest one. <laughs> we can't keep doing this, Bea. We can't keep doing this. No, I know. It becomes exponential and like <laughs> in season one, imagine what season 13 will be. Okay? Hmm. We can't do it. Hmm. But but we're going to. But we can't. But but we shall. But we shan't. But we will. But, but we won't. Don't hmm. worry. We won't. All right, guys, we will see you guys next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.